0: It's really good to see you this morning. It's a wonderful thing that we can gather together and spend time in God's Word. Now, I hope you're excited. You've got your Bibles open, maybe a pen to make some notes. In just a moment, Pauline is going to come and read to us from John chapter 13. Now, in the recent weeks, we've been spending time in John's Gospel, and we've called this series Encountering Jesus in John's Gospel. And we're looking at stories that uh, John records for us of him encountering, of Jesus encountering uh, people that maybe we're familiar with. The woman by the well, Nicodemus. Last week we saw the blind man in John 9. And today we're going to a motley bunch that Jesus encounters, his disciples really, uh, and the meal that he spends with them in John 13, that last meal. Now interesting story as it is can i tell you this story gives us a key to how to live and how to love in these difficult times please give you pauline your attention and uh, we'll be back with the sermon after this
1: good morning everyone i'm pauline and i've got the honor of sharing the reading with you this morning which is being taken from john's gospel Chapter 13, verses 1 to 17. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, A person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said, not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He, sa- he asked them, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. That's the end of the reading.
0: Thanks, Pauline. Now, can I encourage you, keep your Bibles open in front of you, and to help you follow the sermon, I've got my four points. Here they are on the screen. It's the call of love, then the challenge of love, the cost of love, and then finally we're going to wrap up with love in action. So that gives you an idea of where we're going so you can follow along, maybe even take some notes. Now let me set the scene. This is the last night that Jesus has with his 12 disciples. He's in an upper room. He has just a few more hours. Let me read to you from John 13. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Jesus knows that there is just a few more hours. There's just a short period of time recorded for us in John chapter 13 through to 17 before he goes to the garden where Judas will betray him. He will be arrested. He'll be taken to the high priest's house where Peter will deny him. There's the trials, the torture, the degradation before the cross. Now imagine if you had just one more opportunity to speak to your friends. You have one last chance to underline something that you think is really important. What would you say? Now, John records for us that Jesus' motivation was to love the disciples to the very end. What does he, in his love for them, want to leave with them? Well, he leaves with them a number of things. There's John through 13 through to 17. But he starts with the command to love. That brings us to our second point, the challenge of love. Let me read to you from John 13, starting at verse 2. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, Peter said, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you will have no part with me. They say a picture paints a thousand words and jesus here gives a graphic demonstration of what love looks like now if you're an aussie here this morning you probably don't get this with the force that the original readers and the disciples would have been impacted by jesus's action it's a familiar passage for number one if you're familiar with scripture this is one of the most uh, well-known passages. But we also live in a society that is uh, egalitarian. We call our Prime Minister ScoMo. If we met him in person, we probably wouldn't defer to him as Mr. Morrison, although maybe a few of our older members might. We might call him Scott and feel quite comfortable about that. But Jesus' culture the Jewish culture of the time and many cultures around our world now, they're not like that. They have a strict hierarchy. They have an honor system that tells you who should do what. If you're from an Asian or a Middle Eastern family, you probably get this. This action would have floored the disciples. They would have been aghast. If you had a slave and that slave was a Jew, the rabbis had declared that washing feet was below the status of a Jewish slave. Although if you had a Gentile, a non-Jew, you could ask them to do it. But this is an action that would almost never occur between peers. And if it did, it would be a token of great love and honor. But a superior would never wash the feet of an inferior. A rabbi would never serve his disciples in this way. But Jesus, he deliberately chooses to act to give us this picture of love, a love that is firstly deliberate. This isn't some kind of whimsical gesture, not some spontaneous flight of fancy. Jesus isn't overcome with emotion. He makes a deliberate choice to act in the way that is best for them. And so he rises from the table. He removes his outer garment. He effectively takes the posture of a slave. And he violates significant social norms we see this in Peter's reaction where Peter says by no means will you ever wash my feet Peter is emphatic this is the wrong thing Jesus you can't do this but Jesus deliberately chooses to act to bring this picture of love Jesus's love is deliberate but it's also demanding It comes at a cost now we may not see this as a big thing but the dignity that Jesus surrenders by taking the role of a servant a slave is significant particularly in that culture this is the act of the lowest of the low and Jesus a little bit later on he says these words he says you call me teacher and Lord and rightly so that is what I am Jesus gives up the status as teacher and Lord but not just not just these things have a look at verse 3 Jesus says this he says Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power just reflect on that for a second What an incredible statement this is. John records for us that Jesus was aware that the Father had handed over all authority in heaven and earth to him. Philippians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul recalls that every knee will bow to Jesus. That every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Jesus is not just rabbi. He's not just the master of this small band. He is the Lord of creation. And when we see that this act is a signpost that points us to the cross, we see that this small act of service points to the magnificent gesture of service at the cross. We see just how demanding love is. Jesus faced the degradation And the debasement, the scorn and the mockery to love those who are his to the very end. This brings us to our third point, the cost of love. Now, we've said that love is deliberate, that love is demanding, and Jesus has given us an example of that. But love is really tough. I think our society is perhaps a little confused on the whole issue of love. Often what we talk about as love is a hunger that we feel to possess something that someone else gives. Let me, let me explain. We might say to someone, I love how funny you are. I love your wit. Maybe we wouldn't say, I love the things that you provide for me. I love that you make me feel secure. I love the wealth that you bring. I love the status that being associated with you grants me. When we think about love, so often we think about the impact that another has on us. And so love is more a hunger that we have for others. We crave what they give us and we call this love. Now, this is a very limited view of love. And Jesus shows us just how tough love actually is. Love is washing feet. Dirty, ugly feet. Love is tough, particularly when times are tough. Now, we get that, don't we? When we're going through hard times, Often it's hard to get beyond yourself. Often when we're facing difficult things, we look to others to support us, but we don't necessarily think about how we might support others. But think about it. You'd excuse Jesus, wouldn't you? He knows exactly what is coming. He knows that Judas is primed to betray him. He knows that Peter, for all his grand words, is going to deny him not once, but three times. You'd kind of get it if Jesus said, hey, guys, I'm a little preoccupied now. It's been a tough, tough couple of years, really. Times, tough times make love difficult. And tough people make it even harder. See, John doesn't record that Jesus Jesus washes just a few disciples' feet. You know, that he selects the ones that he likes, that he skips over Judas and maybe skips over Peter. John deliberately records that those two, those two were reclining at the table when Jesus washed the disciples' feet. And he washed each of them. Imagine you're washing the feet of someone who you know is just about to slip out the door into the darkness. He's just about to go and get the guards and lead them to the place where you meet with your disciples in the garden. He's just about to come up to you and kiss you and betray you to the most brutal and degrading death. And you serve him in this way. And then there's Peter. We've already talked about him a bit, but he's someone who so often promised so much and sometimes got it so right, but mostly got it just so wrong. This one who declares that they love you, that they would die for you. This one in just a few hours would say three times I do not know the man. Love is costly. How can we love? If we're honest, Jesus' call to love us is beyond us. Jesus' call to love and to reach out to others is something that we lack capacity for. And particularly at a time like this with you know COVID-19 and all the rest, We want people to love us but Jesus is calling us to love one another he says this he says this in chapter 13 verse 15 I have set you an example he says that you should do as I have done for you that you should love the difficult people in the tough times In a deliberate way seeking their good over your own good sacrificing for them how can we do that now that brings us to our final point love in action so how can we do this well we need to recognize that what jesus is doing here is a signpost He's giving us a symbol that allows us to understand what it is that he achieved just a few hours later on the cross. This foot washing, this cleansing from physical dirt, is a sign that points us to the greater washing. This act of service is a sign that points us to the greatest act of service. This expression of love points us to the pinnacle of love because foot washing is not just about the physical cleansing from dirt. Well, it was at that point, but it points us to this spiritual cleansing. It points us to the washing away of the sin and guilt that defiles us before God. Jesus would achieve that, not with a bowl and a towel, but with his body broken and his blood shed for us. And the testimony of scripture is absolutely clear. This is the promise that the gospel holds out that we receive by faith. And so how is it that Christ's blood washes us clean? Well, that's the promise of the gospel. And if you have put your trust in him, if you have put your faith in him, that means that we are clean before God. And when we see the gospel, when we see the cross, Jesus dying for us, it lets us see ourselves and our saviour. And as we see that, so that we are empowered then to serve others in love even the difficult people, even the people in hard times. We see ourselves. Where do you pitch yourself at that table? Most of us probably wouldn't say, oh yeah, I'm Judas, I'm Peter. But you know what? All of the disciples cleared out. All of them ran away. Not one of them stood firm. I think we are closer to Judas and Peter than we think we are. We are not lovely. We are not giving anything back to Jesus. Jesus doesn't love us in the way that our society sees love. He doesn't get something from us that means that his need is fulfilled. We offer him nothing. You might remember the movie Jerry Maguire where Tom Cruise and Renee Zellweger are there and there's this big reconciliation at the end and Tom Cruise says to Renee Zellweger's character, you complete me. We don't complete Jesus. We don't give him anything. And yet he loves us. He loves us deliberately by giving us what we need. He washes us clean. And we, when we see that, it then lets us see him clearly. Because his love on the cross is seen for what it truly is. An extravagant act of love. An extravagant act of service. Where he comes and dies for us, bearing our guilt. Bearing our sin. Washing us clean. He serves us. With humility and grace so how are we going to put love in action when Jesus says he says now I your Lord and teacher have washed your feet you also should wash one another's feet what he's saying there is now I've served you in love so you should serve each other in love I've set an example for you that you should do as I have done for you no servant is greater than his master nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent. Now, if you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. What a great promise. But Jesus tells us that we are to do as he has done. And how do we do that? Where do we find the strength to do that? And it's not in ourselves. When we realize that our king, that our teacher, our master, the Lord of all creation has served us, has loved us extravagantly. He has met our deepest need. When we live in that love, it frees us up that we might love others. The Apostle John wrote a letter sometime later, and 1 John 4 verse 19, he says this. He says, we love because he first loved us. So I'm going to ask you, what are you going to do that you might stay grounded in your Saviour's love? Can I encourage you, maybe spend some time in the Word, maybe spend some time in song, in prayer, maybe talk with others about just how great this love is. And then at this time, this difficult time, what's one thing you could do that would share and show God's love to others? Particularly those that we find a little bit hard. Particularly those that it's not natural for us to reach out with because we find, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. What's one thing? that you could do that would love like Christ loved you. We're going to discuss this a little bit further in our Zoom interview. So, pay attention.